2 Timothy chapter 3, we've been kind of basing our subject off of a couple different passages, but 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, the Bible says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we talked about the types of perilous times, the types of individuals that are found are listed off from verse 2 down through verse 7. We've been pulling from and kind of as our key passage from Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't you turn there with me? Ephesians 4. Again, I'm, I'm reviewing with you here just to bring us back to context here of um, our point of study. Ephesians 4 and verse number 10. Ephesians 4 verse 10. And we'll look from verse 10 through verse 13. The word of God says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. The word of God continues, For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, notice, perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I know I emphasized that to you last week. If you haven't marked that in your Bible, it should be marked. Underline it. Circle it. A perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our lives as men are to be measured according to and by God himself. We don't measure ourselves beside other men. While that is the instinct of our sinful nature, we compare ourselves among ourselves, but we are to com compare ourselves, to measure ourselves to that of Christ. And God is not perf uh, expecting perfection as in sinlessness, because we are not sinless people until we go to be with Christ in heaven. Do we have a new body? But God is describing perfection as we are seeking, as the Bible describes in the book of Hebrews, we are diligent, diligently seeking God to such an extent we're doing to the best of our ability to live to God to our fullest. This is that perfect man, that individual who's seeking to measure themselves according and how to Christ has measured men. And we talked together last week about um, some of the characteristics that are listed off concerning a man of God. Um, in Titus chapter 1, why don't you turn there with me, and uh, Titus chapter 1, we find this list of things that are given. You remember we talked about last week, these qualities uh, among um, Christians are often concluded to only be applicable to the man of God and or the pastor or the preacher. But yet, I remind you again that all of Scripture is to be applied and is applicable to all mankind. And all God's people said, Amen. And when we find this passage, this is Paul who's speaking to Titus. Uh, Titus is simply just a man who's been brought under the wing of Paul, and he's not describing anything other than the type of man that Titus is to be. And we looked last week at some of the other things that the Bible tells us concerning Titus and Timothy, as were those that were taken under Paul's wing. But Titus, in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, For this cause... I left thee in Crete, Paul speaking to Titus, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city. And what were these people to be looking like? The Bible says, as I had appointed thee, notice the colon, if, a man, if any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, 
not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. And I would remind you that passage in 2 Timothy 3 that we began with of the perilous times which we live in. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, the Bible tells us. And this is the opposite to that of how God intends for the man of God to be. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that, that word bishop is speaking of the leadership, that, um, that leadership as a man within the church. Um, there is a leadership which is to be had within the house of God, not just of the pastor, but of all men. Amen? We believe that this morning. And so uh, as we seek to live these things out, we talked about last week the, the, that um, though some of these things you would say, either they don't apply to me or I am, a, I, I am guilty of one or more than one of these things, the truth is we are all guilty of more than one of these things. Uh, and uh, really the subject even we'll be talking about today what would be um, uh, applicable to all of us in some pattern of, of way uh, because there is no perfect, that is sinless man, but the perfect man is seeking to measure themselves according to and by God himself. So we've been talking about what does a man who is equipped for every good work, the Bible says it in um, uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 17, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. Uh, what does this kind of man look like? We talked about last week. It's a man of good reputation, or specifically a man who is blameless. Uh, the, the, the reputation of that individual is one who can be trusted, uh, one who loves God, one who's pursuing Christ, one who has their focus right. And I gave you that handout. Maybe it was a help to you. How many of you were actually able to fill that out? I'm just curious. You were able to fill that out maybe on your own time or here in the classroom. Was anyone able to fill that out? Okay, it's okay to raise your hand. I know some of you did, okay? You filled that out? Come on, man, help me out here. All right, good. I know a couple of you did. We're getting some slow raise of hands, all right? Um, you know, at the end of the day, this class only becomes as much as we make out of it. And um, can I challenge you in something? Would you consider the things that we talk about uh, during this Sunday school class? Would you consider them through the week? Would you ask yourself personally, how can these things be applied to me? How can I become a better man measured according to the work of God and, and a better man measured according to God himself? Would that, would that be something you can take forward with? Um, I, can, I can pressure you, but pressuring you doesn't, doesn't do the job. You've got to personally make that effort. In your own personal devotions, pull out this list. Think about these questions. I mean, um, genuinely ask yourself, how do they apply to me? I still have that, that lesson sheet from last week. If you'd like one of them, you're welcome to have it. But I'll just read to you and review some of the things that we were considering from last week. Do people trust you, a man who's blameless? Do people trust you? Do people get positive feedback from uh, uh, the those that are closest to you? What do people say of you, those that know you best? Do your relationships with people grow deeper and more significant the longer that others know you? Do they become more significant and deeper the longer they know you? Boy, when you consider that alone, uh, that's not always the case with many of us. We are, we're happy and content with the relationships that we have now, and we're not taking steps forward. And um, uh, does your circle of friends continually grow wider and larger? 
a man of good reputation is a person that uh, has uh, is a friend of everybody. You know, I can talk about him this morning because he's not here. Uh, Michael, having just been married. You know, one thing about Michael, Michael is everyone's friend. I mean, Michael, Michael doesn't have an enemy. I mean, maybe he does, but he's just the most friendly guy. He really is. And that's, that's some, for some people, that's a gift. It is. But for others, they got to work at it. And, the, and this is what the Word of God is speaking of, this very fact. A blameless individual is with the expectation, hey, not all of us are people that easily get along with others. And, and therefore, someone may have something negative or something to blame of us about because our reputation hasn't been one to be friendly, hasn't been one to be faithful, hasn't one to be consistent. Uh, these questions I'm giving to you uh, during this class uh, are intended to be thought-provoking. They're intended to a little bit step on your toes. Uh, a man of God can never grow and take a step forward unless we do get our toes stepped on and are willing to let them be stepped on. And as long as they're stepped on according to and with the Scripture being the, the base of all of that, uh, there, there is not, um, we're, we're walking according to how God intends for us to do. And so I challenge you again, let these things be applied to your life. You still have that list? You haven't filled it out? Do so. Uh, fill it out. Maybe you need some help filling it out. Talk with your wife about it. Talk with your parents about it. Talk with somebody who knows you really well and ask them to help you answer those questions. The questions are not for you to turn in and I give you a grade. The questions are not because you're going to get a crown in heaven for filling it out. The questions are for you. And if you want to take, a pro take progress in rating yourself and where you stand on this, You'll, you'll fill it out because you're seeking to take the next step. And men, I remind you, as men of God, we should always be seeking to take the next step. May we not be content with where we're at. Um, we, all, we all have a way of getting comfortable. I'm in that boat too. You know, I am just hit that year mark as a pastor and it, it, how easy it is just to make, for me to hit reset. And let's just do the same year all over again, the same things over again. But I know that as a pastor, I cannot lead a church to take progress if I'm not first taking progress myself and seeing forward and vision in that way and think in your own individual life as a husband, uh, as, a, as a man of God, as a layman within the church, you cannot see progress in your life unless you also stretch yourself. So let this class stretch you. I know that um, uh, there was one thing that I was not used to. My pastor in Texas would often, he would ask me these questions personally. And they were kind of like, you know, like scratch the back of my neck questions, you know, like they just kind of, they were hard questions to answer. But I knew at the end of the day, uh, though he wasn't a, a demanding an answer from me at that time, I knew that for me to answer them for myself personally was going to help me to take that progress. We're talking about this morning, uh, the, uh, the second of those things which are listed upon that list. And I want to clarify to you as we begin, the Bible says, if, a ma if any man be blameless... And then secondly, the husband of one wife. You may fall in one of three categories. Either you say, I already have one wife. That's not a problem. You say, uh, I've had more than one wife. This, this, I, I'm, I feel like this doesn't hardly even apply to me. I've already failed. Or you say, I don't even have a wife. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find one. You fall in one of those three categories at the end of the day. When the Bible is speaking of a man of, of one wife, it's simply saying a man who is committed to to one woman and one woman alone for life. Now I remind you again as we, not all of us in these areas, they would apply, you know, you say, I feel like I failed in this area. Can I remind you God forgives, amen? 
There is no man that cannot become a man of God, used of God, who's forgiven by God uh, and has committed sins in their past. We've all made our share of mistakes. And we all have some things which we are exempt from, but no man can ever come to the point where they cannot be used of God. If God can save the drunkard and call them to evangelism and win people to Christ uh, and, and use a man with that kind of background, God can use any man. If God can save a murderer or a sex offender and draw them out of that lifestyle and bring them to be a faithful layman in the house of God and serving God to the best of their ability, God can use any man. So I remind you today, there is no man that is exempt, that is exempt from being used of God. When we consider this area of one man uh, and one woman for life and the, a husband of one wife, let's look together in Romans chapter 6. I'm keeping you turning this morning. Romans chapter 6, if you're taking notes of anything, write the scripture down. Uh, maybe there's a couple things I say that are worthy of writing down. At the least, write scripture down. Because the goal and purpose of this class is not for you to get everything that I have to say, but you would understand what the Word of God says concerning these things. Romans 6 and verse number uh, 1 and 2. In just a moment, Brother Brian Anderson, could you read those for me in just a moment? And Brother Crosby, could you turn to Matthew 5? And uh, I'll have you read verse 27 and 28 in just a moment. And um, let me see here. Brother Jorge, if you could turn to Genesis 39 in just a moment. Genesis 39, and I'll have you read verse 9. Genesis 39, and Brother Jorge has that one. So Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, Brother Anderson. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul's making sure in this passage of Scripture that the men to whom he's speaking to, or the Christian leaders, should I say, that he's speaking to, are living lives, yes, that are blameless, but more specifically, that they are living lives that are pure, that they're seeking to have only one woman in their life. You take yourself back to Bible times. It was not very uncommon for a man to have more than one wife, or in some cases to have a wife, to have another woman who was simply to bring him sexual pleasure, a prostitute of sorts, and another uh, lady who had served another purpose, but yet all of them in some cases giving him children. It, there, there was, th that was not a very uncommon thing. In fact, some people would say, well, that's just their culture. But Paul's helping to understand that's not God's purpose for man. And that's not how God intended for the relationship of a man and woman to be. Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28, Brother Crosby. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Genesis 39, verse 9, Brother Jorge. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, Brother Crosby just read a moment ago, here we have the um, Jesus giving the charge and the principle of understanding this, that adultery begins the moment a man chooses to lust, okay? Chooses to look upon a woman for the purpose of, may I be blunt with you, sexual entertainment, okay? Looking at, at her for any other purpose. Now, I want you to understand this morning, of anything else, when we consider this thought of adultery and lust, 
there is a clear difference between being tempted and lusting. There is a clear difference between, between being tempted and lusting. I think all of us by now at this point in our lives as men understand that men are very different than women. <laughs> We're wired differently. Men are especially drawn uh, by the looks and by what, what, what is seen. That's like the phrase that is said, men are drawn by looks, women are drawn by what is the, by words that are said and, and, and swoon in that way, should we say. It's not, uh, it, it, I'm not being a, um, you know, uh, making blank, blanket statements that all men are one way, all women are one way, outside of this fact that God has created men and women different. Can we agree with that this morning? Amen. Amen. And so we understand that there are temptations that any man faces in life. The temptation is not the sin. Now, that does not exempt you from just placing yourself in a place to be tempted. And that's what we're talking about this morning. But understand, and as Jorge just read a moment ago in Genesis 39, a perfect example. Joseph, a man of God, having learned to have patience with God, was placed under the point of temptation. And yet, rather than choosing to fulfill his lustly desires, while he barely eat, very easily could have uh, had the time with this woman and covered it all up and it could have never been known and they could have had uh, uh, you know those um, sexual pleasures with one another for a foreseeable future yet he chose to resist the temptation and that's the subject of this morning is building fences to protect your purity building fences to protect your purity and the question I would have for you this morning is have you built fences in your life have you built fences in your life? We are all, uh, in, by the work of Satan, Satan has a way of placing things in front of us to tempt us. Um, uh, you know, you say, well, I'm just, my job and the things that I do, I don't ever see those things. Uh, but, but Satan can use the television. Satan can use the internet. Uh, Satan can use social media. You can go on and on down the line, somebody jogging, walking down the street. The temptation is there. But the lust comes when you choose to continue within it. And so the temptation is not the sin. Uh, again, that is not to say that temptation is good, but temptation is normal on this earth because now sin upon this earth is the new normal, should I say. When God created the world, there was no sin. It was a perfect world. It was sinless. There was no lust. There was no desire to fulfill anything uh, of that matter outside of where God had placed them. But because man has chosen to give into sin, now we, by our very nature, have the temptation that's before us. And um, we consider then again this question of building fences. Um, can I remind you, men, that we, you are never too old in life to be under temptation. And even under the temptations of uh, moral purity. Uh, it's unfortunate to say that I have known older men in my life, and may I say older, above 60 years old, that are still struggling and have struggled and had needed counsel uh, in the areas of, um, because they had moral problems in their own life. Um, I can think of one particular teacher. It was a sad, it was a sad thing, but a teacher in, in the school that I worked at, and uh, he, here he is, an older man, um, you know, I want to say he's almost 70 years old and he's teaching a class and he's got his computer plugged in the projector and a pop-up pops up on the screen from that of the things that he was looking at. 
and he, he was dismissed from the school, obviously, but there was counsel that had to follow. And here's what was understood and reminded to me as a young preacher at the time that you don't have to be a young man to struggle with moral purity. And you don't have to, uh, you know, reach that point in your life where you no longer have those sexual drives anymore, that you're no longer going to have those temptations. The temptations will be there. And really, that's why it is important to understand the list that God gives to us in the book of Titus and 2 Timothy of a man being blameless. It runs, runs right alongside of the individual who's a husband of one wife or a man who is choosing to keep his life pure. Because if you're seeking to be blameless, you're never going to place yourself in the position to be blamed of any uh, immoral purity. Um, you know, there will always be times of, uh, of um, discomfort and uncomfortability. And let me say the other side, there will always be times that we make a mistake and say, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't the best place for me to be, or I should have removed myself from that situation. Um, and, and that is why, as men, we must choose to and determine to place fences in our life. Um, you consider a man like David, a king, a very respected man, a very capable man, a man of many great talents. Um, when he walked up upon that roof, uh, it, it was not David who was only the problem. <laughs> we often point the finger just to David, but what in the world is Bathsheba doing up on her roof, taking a shower, right? uh, bathing herself, completely unclothed. The problem came not when David saw her. The problem came when David continued to look and now sought her. Okay? Understand, you drive down the road, there's going to be billboards that you see. You, you, you turn on the television, there's going to co be commercials that really aren't drawing that much focus on that hamburger. It's more upon the lips of that individual that are so sensual in the very way in which they're presenting it. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's amazing how other sins follow right along with these immoral purities. Uh, you find these, these commercials that promote alcohol and things right alongside. All these things have a way of coming with. The lifestyle of this world we know to be so opposite from God's original intent for men and women. And that's why we must understand as men, we must be putting fences in front of ourselves. So let me give you a few things here and not to dwell in great depth upon them. But it meant that you, would, that you would apply them, and then as we come to some questions, ask yourself them in the same. These fences, number one, develop convictions before the point of temptation. Develop convictions before the temptation. Uh, your conviction is, I believe by the Word of God, and I can show you from the Word of God what the Word of God says and commands me and shows me why I am to be living a pure life, and so I have a conviction not to do, you fill in the blank. Um, my parents had a conviction in, train, in, in raising us that we would not go to a public pool. Uh, the reason for that was is because all of the fleshly uh, things that were out there. Now, does that say my parents are perfect people? No, but they had made a conviction in their family to determine we are not going to place ourselves in this position because there is temptation there develop convictions you can have a conviction to say you know what i'm not i'm not going to allow myself to watch a movie that is rated uh, above a certain level unfortunately sometimes even the movies that are rated pg-13 aren't anywhere near appropriate for the christian to be watching uh, you're determining as a christian i have a conviction that i'm not going to place myself to listen to to watch hey can i give you some ideas here for a moment there are many programs out there now um that uh, i know vid angel is one of them 
they have other programs that you can plug into your your whole um, satellite stream and it will actually filter the movies which you're watching um, now for some they have a conviction you know what if it's going to contain it I'm not even going to watch it uh, but at the very least I've seen some they have such a conviction you know what just just in case anything would come up that is inappropriate we've set up a program that is going to bleep something out before it even hits uh, we used to have one it was called tv guardian i don't know if it still exists today we had that plugged into ours and and it would just completely uh mute it it would catch live tv and the movies which we had watched and uh, there were certain studios that didn't catch it from but in most cases it caught everything but there are i know you can watch movies from different you might have to pay a little bit more but hey conviction the problem with many Christian men is we have not developed convictions to protect our moral purity, and therefore we are not place, placing those fences around us. And can I remind you of one of the greatest help means that God has given you? Your wife. Your wife should be the one to whom you're speaking to about these fences. Of all people you should be having discussion with, they should understand that, hey, honey, there are temptations in my life. And, and can I remind you this, that when God places you under the point of temptation, no matter what it may be, pursue your wife. Pursue your wife. I remember a preacher uh, telling a group of uh, us young men as preacher boys this, when God places you under temptation, just pursue your wife. Don't, turn the television off. Get, call, your, call your wife right away. Give your attention to your wife. And talk to your wife about it. Let her know, honey, I want you to know that I'm... I didn't try to, This I did, but these thoughts are in my mind. It's temptation. You know, the worst and most vulnerable times for a man is when he's alone. Uh, I know we've got a few truck drivers in here. You truck drivers, you stay overnight. In some cases, you're in other places. Uh, let me tell you, that, that that is not a sinful job, but Satan has a way of, can I use the word, snatching up those types of individuals because they're out in the open and they're alone. God gives a man a wife to help to keep himself uh, accountable on one side along with many other things. But when your wife is not there and you're alone, it's amazing how many more temptations there are. Uh, I don't know if you've been that way as I have, but it's amazing how you can be alone in a hotel room and just trying to watch a ball game, <laughs> trying to watch a little bit of television. And there are so many more temptations and thoughts that cross and run across your mind when you're alone than when your wife is there. And, and God, God forbid that we would submit to that temptation. But the thing is, is in some cases, temptation goes so far as we ask ourselves, wow, what would happen if I actually did do that? That's Satan. Satan who's inserting those thoughts within your mind. And, you know, unfortunately for some marriages, there is not such a clear transparency that the husband is speaking together with his wife about these fences. It's not to say that um, you know, you know, in, there is the side that's in some cases wives almost feel offended. Wow, how could you, how could you ever allow yourself to be tempted? But it's talking together with your wife to help them understand. Look, by by very our very nature, men are wired differently. I'm not saying that we're like you know we're just dogs running around like animals. We just need a leash on us all the time. But I am saying we are more capable of getting into temptation when it comes to lustful desires. Again, men are so much more driven by sight than that of women. And for some women, that may just need to be a discussion that needs to be had. And honey, I want you to understand, there are temptations in my life. And I want you to know, honey, that when I'm under that temptation, I'm going to run to you. And I want to talk to you about it. I want you to understand about it. 
The awkward time when it comes is when that discussion hasn't been had. And now you're under temptation. It's, a, it's hard to talk to your wife about it because you, you, you've never talked about it before. Um, and, and so making this a clear, transparent thing. You know, I, I want you to know, honey, I was, in a, I was in an inappropriate situation. It was not my intention, but I was very uncomfortable. And I just want you to know about it. There, there is no shame and should be no shame in a man telling his wife that. Uh, no matter where it is or what it is, she should know. And if you want to build yourself a fence, she should be uh, as God's helpmate to you in that way. Uh, honey, I want to be completely without any blame. I want you to know that this was a very awkward situation I was in. It was not appropriate. And I realized that. And I, I just want you to know about it. There, you know, what becomes worse is when they've heard about it from somebody else. And now you've got an explanation to happen. And now they've already developed a, a whole nother thinking of, all the worst things that could have possibly happened in tearing apart their marriage. Um, I'm not telling us things we don't know, but may I say, in some cases, it's not that we don't know it. We haven't really done it. Um, men, especially those of you who are younger in marriage, uh, I'm not saying I have a per perfect marriage and I've perfected these things, but it is important. It is important for you to have these discussions earlier on in your marriage. Um, I, it is I, I say it's it's amazing, but then again, sin has a way of drawing a man so far away from God and outside of God's original intent. Um, but it is truly amazing to see how um, far a man can be brought in his life as a result of uh, immorality. Um, I knew a man uh, uh, that uh, was very close to me. I respected and looked up to and. And um, he and his wife had come to the point of they, they were having some of these same problems, I believe, in their own life. That's what led to this argument. And eventually now they're, long, they're no longer together. There was a divorce. But I saw such a flip of a switch. Though the wife was the one leaving the husband, there was such a flip of a switch for the man just the same. He turned to now being a complete homosexual uh, in his mid-30s, hardly 40 years old. You say, how does a man or a woman get to that point? You know that midlife crisis it is actually very real i've seen it so so common with men and and you know what can be a very scary pattern for sometimes for men and women is when suddenly there's a complete and extreme loss of weight from that individual new clothes clothing sizes and before you know it more attention is being given to that man or that woman and they're without fences that are being built there to protect against temptation uh we become vulnerable in that sense it's not that those things are wrong, you know, losing weight and looking good and, and all that sort of thing, but we're building the fences in our life. And uh, I'm running out of time here, but let me just give you, uh, and we'll, we'll continue here next week. I, I just think this is probably a necessary thing, um, but commit yourself to God. Commit yourself to God. Uh, above anything else, your life should be so committed to God first um, and, and, and that he would become the first priority and pursuit of your life.